Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today's no exception. We have a great guest, but first, a quick thank you to our sponsor. The Real Estate Espresso Podcast is brought to you by International Coffee Farms. International Coffee Farms grows and sells specialty coffee in Boquete, Panama. They now have 11 fully operational coffee farms and they are 100% sold out. They are accepting reservations for farm number 12. If the idea of owning a safe, diversified offshore investment is intriguing to you, check out International Coffee Farms at internationalcoffeefarms.com. That's internationalcoffeefarms.com. We are back. Here on the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today, we've got a great guest. She's an educator. She's an investor. She's a developer and the host of the Real Wealth Network. Welcome to the show, Kathy Fetke. Well, thank you. Kathy, you've been on the show a couple of times, and we've talked about real estate and development, all kinds of good stuff like that. But today, we've got a bit more of a personal story. Of course, you live in Malibu, California, and the wildfires in Malibu and Northern California have been in the news. And let's have a chat about your firsthand personal account of what happened there. Oh, well, I I think it was Thursday. My I was going to meet my friend and she said, well, we need to be careful. There's a fire over the hill. And uh, as you know, that was just right after the shooting in, in Thousand Oaks. Yes. So it was hard to believe there was now also a fire. And uh, Mal was right on the other side. And our house in particular is right over the the mountain and, and when the winds are blowing there there's no stopping a flame I think it, I think the winds were 60 to 80 miles an hour so I kept a, a watch on um, the hills just behind our house and saw a huge flume of smoke um, coming our way <laughs> so I told Rich you know we, we got to get out of here and he said well you know i well, they'll they'll let us know, and you know we're, we're okay right now. It looks far enough away, and I thought, no, these winds are are moving quickly. And sure enough, within minutes, we got an evacuation notice, which just came in a text. And we kind of looked around the house, had that moment where you're, you know, you're you're wondering what should I take with me. <laughs> we grabbed some things and uh, and left. Wow, that's incredible. And you know, certainly the images that we saw in the news of this wall of smoke and flames. Uh, you know, you can't quite seeing it on television or seeing it on the internet. You don't get the sense for the physicalness of it. You don't get the radiant heat. You don't get the the smell of smoke at the back of your throat and all of that. What was that like experiencing the evacuation? You know, surprisingly, when we left, uh, the worst part of that was the traffic. It took, oh, I think four or five hours just to, to go the 20 miles to get out of town. Um, so that that was the terrifying part is, boy, if the fire was coming away, there was no way to escape it. And and that was indeed the case for Northern California. My daughter was evacuated the same, de- same day as me, only she's eight hours away at the campfire. And she, at the same time, saw uh, flames down the road and, and smoke and, and they left and they were they were stuck in traffic, too. But just up the road in Paradise, uh, you know, people weren't able to escape. So if you live in a fire zone or an area that's difficult to get out of, or there's just one road, uh, you've got lots of trees, boy, you, you just need to be aware. Make sure you're on some kind of a warning system. We were on uh, uh, a, a Malibu disaster text chain, uh, text alert 
system because we knew when we bought this house that we were in the fire zone. So that was no surprise to us. Um, and, and we did get that uh, evacuation notice and we left. Now, a lot of people didn't leave. Um, a lot of people stayed to fight the fire on their own. It was shocking, actually, how many people saved their own homes. Uh, that was not going to be us. <laughs> you know, I was, like Rich does, he takes a lot of risks in life, but you know, risking his life over our home, that just wasn't worth it to me. But we do have a lot of neighbors to thank who stayed all night, um, some without any masks or anything, to fight the fire because the fire, uh, there, was too, there were too many fires going on. Um, they just couldn't protect everybody's homes. Uh, and, and I mean, literally the house next to us is gone. Our RV, our parking lot is gone, but our house is completely fine. So I, I'm not really sure why that is. If the, the wind was blowing strongly in one direction and just not towards our house, uh, or if, uh, if a neighbor was protecting it, but it, that's often how, what you'll see is one house there and the one next to it gone. Amazing. You know, when I ran into you in Denver, you hadn't been home in about 10 days and, you weren't sure, I think, even at that time, if your house had been fully saved or not. But, um, you know, what was it like managing the uncertainty? I was actually shocked at how relaxed I felt, quite honestly. I know that you never know how you're going to be in situations like this. But for me, knowing that my family was safe, that our pets were safe, that our friends were out, we all met in uh, Venice and we had so many people offering their homes to us. So such an outpouring of love. We were we were with friends. In fact, we had one of the, believe it or not, nicest evenings <laughs> we've had, um, hanging out with our friends and just celebrating each other. All this stuff really, honestly, just didn't matter. And and, and knowing again that my my daughter had gotten out um, up north. When I when I stood here in the house, um, kind of looking around at what I should grab, I I just grabbed the the things that were sentimental to me. I. I Rich and I both just, we weren't worried about the rest. It can be re rebought or rebuilt. We had plenty of insurance. In fact, Rich had um, just upped our insurance to make sure that with the increase in um, the cost of labor and the cost of materials and permit fees and all of that, we figured we were probably underinsured since I'm constantly doing news stories on that topic. So um, just he knew we were kind of heading into fire season and he went and upped our insurance because that's that is the aftermath. That's the sad reality for a lot of people, even here in Malibu, definitely in, in paradise where they were not adequate, adequately covered, hadn't really paid attention. I just asked for an insurance policy for a, for a property. And I think they gave me $40,000 replacement or something like that. So you're never going to be able to build a house wow. uh, for that. So you really got to read your policy, uh, make sure that you understand it and that you're covered. Um, for, you know, that you, it's expensive to rebuild and it takes a long time and you, you need to make sure that you have more than enough. Well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the cost to rebuild. Yeah. When you, when you rebuild, it's not the same construction cost as if, um, as if a volume builder is building, you know, we might build, you and I might build for, let's say $118, $120 a square foot in volume. But if you're doing a single house, it could be double that. Yeah, absolutely. And we had gone to a fire training when we first moved here. Uh, and neighbors who had been through this, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, they all said they wish they had, you know, talked to their insurance agent and really understand their policy. We have a, a separate garage from our home. It's uh, 
it's not connected. And apparently that then is not covered. So you, ha- you really have to understand everything that is and isn't covered. Uh, so, so we had to ask for that. It's a special policy to cover the garage that's not attached. Uh, but, you know, and now, you know, you've got insurance adjusters who are in town, they're set up at the local supermarket. And it's, I've heard, I, I'm not privy to it. I haven't seen it myself, but I've heard there's a lot of very upset people because uh, they're not, there are certain people who don't understand even how to negotiate the claim and are getting far less than what they really need. Wow. Yeah, I mean, certainly insurance companies are those folks that are happy to take your premium, but once it comes to comes time to make a claim, they become your legal adversary. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. Yeah. You know, they'll send the claim off to legal to see what is it in the policy that might be a loophole that allow them to get out of paying. That's right. I think I've mentioned to you before that we know somebody, we know a lot of people who bought in Houston, and they bought they didn't buy in flood zones, so they weren't affected by that flood. But one uh, of our Real Wealth Network members uh, did, was affected by the by the floods, and they were not covered because the the policy didn't cover named storms, which is crazy. I'd never heard that before. That you know it'll cover cover hurricanes, but and uh, tornadoes, but not named ones. <laughs> so you know you want to make sure your policy, if you're in in a hurricane area, covers named storms because most of them have a name. Yes, they do. So what about, you know, I think about Malibu, you know, a lot of people think about beachfront property, but, you know, I think about, you know, for example, the Getty Estate, uh, the Getty Museum that are also in the hills. Uh, what happened with those properties? Were they protected? Were they salvaged during the these intense fires? Uh, you know, Pepperdine University is right in the middle of Malibu, and the fire was heading straight towards it. It usually does. Uh, these canyons, you know, Malibu is beautiful because it's ocean and mountains. And uh, unfortunately, during the Santa Ana winds, that is not a good combination. And in this case, uh, the fire was so out of control on the other side and over by Thousand Oaks and Oak Park that uh, I I believe, I'm guessing, and I don't know if this is true, but I've heard that, you know, there's a boundary in Malibu and that boundary is is the ocean. And if they can't get control of it on the other side, well, they'll just kind of let it burn to the ocean. Um, and it, it, it's, you know, you might think that if you're by the water, you're safe, and that's definitely not the case. Right. Uh, it jumped the PCH and, and burned buildings. But Pepperdine is pretty close to the ocean. Parts of it were burned, but they, it's very interesting. They have a, um, a policy where the, the students stay in place during fires, uh, which is terrifying because the fire was in their backyard and burned some buildings. But uh, on the other hand, that policy seems to bring a whole lot of helicopters and, and airplanes into their area <laughs> trucks. Uh, so, so that property was spared. Uh, there were some really beautiful uh, historic properties that were born, uh, that were uh, destroyed. Um, some wineries out there. And, but what's, what's interesting is a lot of people think that, that those who live in Malibu are wealthy and there certainly are the rich and the famous who live here, but there's also surfers and, uh, bartenders and workers and, and you know, the, the service industry that, that lives in Malibu too. And many of those people were renters. And it's, it's interesting in Malibu, you have a lot of uh, very, very wealthy people who rent as well uh, because it's, it's probably cheaper to rent than to own in Malibu. And a lot of those people, a lot of those victims did not have the correct rental insurance either. Wow. So that is something you want to make sure you have. Absolutely. Incredible. 
I think when you and I met in Denver, you were telling me that the local volunteer fire department had their resources confiscated so that they couldn't even protect some of the local structures. What happened with that in the end? Yeah, in my neighborhood, my neighborhood's known for burning. It's it's right where the the winds come through, and and so the the locals. It's a wonderful neighborhood and a more affordable neighborhood. It's probably cheaper than the San Francisco Bay Area, believe it or not. And um, so the the local residents have had a volunteer uh, firefighter group, and they train every other weekend, and they pitched in and. The community bought our own fire truck, and we were going to have our own. We were just in the process of building our own fire station. And uh, uh, shockingly, these these guys were trained. They had their truck. Um, their truck was confiscated. Uh, I don't know how that happened, um, but it was it was very tragic because the the man behind that whole um, process of of getting that truck, his house burned. Oh no! So he. And also, what was very bizarre is the, the water just shut off. So even even if, if they didn't have the truck, they, they still couldn't uh, protect the neighborhood. But people stayed, and they did anyway. They literally used shovels and dirt, and many of the homes in this neighborhood were saved by a few very brave people. But again, I, I kind of go to them and say, please don't risk your life to save my house. We have insurance, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Well, uh, incredible story. Was there much smoke damage or any other type of damage to your property? No, it's it's just shocking. It doesn't smell like smoke. There's no dust. Uh, we had it remodeled four years ago, so we had very tight windows. You want to make sure your windows are closed when you evacuate, if that ever happens to you. Uh, but it, our home was sealed, and I literally just came in uh, late last night after three weeks. is the first time I've been able to come home. And you really can't tell that anything happened here. But if you walk outside, you'll see that our fence is is looks burned, and the and the house next door is gone. So it it, it is very very bizarre. And just down the road, a, a lot more homes are are gone. Um, but they at, like like usually happens in times like this, the communities come together. I just got back from another fundraiser. Uh, very Malibu-esque, <laughs> where people donated their surfboards and wetsuits to uh, local fire victims who are surfers and, and lost their boards. So that was kind of a nice uh, nice party. Um, we've had a friend staying with us who lost his home, and he got a new surfboard and a new wetsuit, so he, he's feeling better. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, but together, yeah, there's been a huge outreach. The store, the local stores and restaurants have been, they served a free Thanksgiving, and and uh, now local stores are giving away uh, clothing. But what was interesting, this, this was very sad, and again, another thing to pay attention to, very, very interesting. A lot of, well, you had the entire town of Malibu evacuating, right, and, and going to hotels in L.A. And thieves went into the parking lots of those hotels and stole the belongings of these people who took their most precious items out of their homes and put them in their car, Right. And uh, parked in a hotel parking lot, came out, and all of their most prized possessions were missing, were gone. So if you can imagine getting hit once and then getting hit again, um, these are stories we're hearing over and over again. So don't ever leave your valuables in your car uh, anytime, but certainly uh, not when evacuating, because usually you're taking your most, uh, you know, uh, you know, precious items. Wow. What, a, what an incredible story. What do you think the impact will be 
on the real estate market. Often, as is the case if there's a major event, whether it's an earthquake, a fire, uh, some people choose to leave, not come back. Uh, sometimes the supply yeah. dries up, and so now prices go up. What, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think in Malibu, uh, there's going to be people who don't come back. They're going to take their insurance check and leave. Uh, that's what happened last time. And, and you'll find, actually, you'll find lots that are not very expensive. So for people who have maybe dreamed of living in a beach town like Malibu, this might be your chance because uh, lots might be for sale for pretty cheap. Now, it could take years before you can build, but uh, usually it's expedited for those who lost their homes. Uh, already, I, just like anywhere, you know, here in Malibu, 700 homes are gone. So those that remain probably will increase in value. Now, in, in Northern California, it is a huge deal. You've got 14,000 homes, I think, on. And, uh, and already, I was, <laughs> I was already targeting that area for investment because I knew that there was a shortage of rentals just before the fire. Now, 14,000 homes are gone. So there is a desperate need for housing up there. I've been looking at different um, lots to see if we can build homes or bring in manufactured housing or some kind of housing but, you know, there's just going to be a huge opportunity for somebody to come in and provide housing up there that's affordable in the um, in the Chico Paradise area. My daughter, I may have heard last time I, I was on your show, she we helped her, we encouraged her to buy a house last year because she had good credit and had two-year job history and the, the home prices were around $250,000 and she qualified. So she bought a house. Um, and it's been a little hard, you know, she's like, mom, I'm too young. She, she bought at 24 and she said, this has been a little more maintenance than I expected. But now she's understanding a year later, the value of having an asset like that. Um, she had her home on Airbnb and the day or you know, the next day after the fire, she had people probably three an hour asking to rent that home. Uh, and one came in at double, I think, I think they offered $3,300 a month. And her mortgage was all in around 1500 So she decided, you know, maybe this is my chance to go live near my friends in Seattle. So she, t- she uh, gave up her house to these people who really desperately needed it. She's now cash flowing almost, you know, $1,800 a month. And uh, it, it just kind of took off with the pets and went up to Seattle to live near her friends for about six months to see how that is. So again, you know, if you there's there's great value in owning assets and she's learning that now i stopped her from buying a car and said hey buy it <laughs> buy a house you're going to be happy in the end <laughs> well, good for you well, that's a fascinating story well kathy thank you for sharing this uh deeply personal story with us and with our listeners i wish of course you and your neighbors a speedy recovery from from this situation For the listeners at home, definitely check out Kathy's show. Check out the Real Wealth Network. Uh, She's got a great podcast, a great daily news podcast as well. And uh, Kathy, can't wait to see you at the next live event. In the meantime, go make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. 